Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great album, 52nd Street. Don't forget, check out my friends in Avernikoff. She's running again in Brooklyn, folks. She does a great job on that city council in Brooklyn. We need her. She's at Bay, Brighton Beach, Midwood section. Her and Peter King will be at the Knights of Columbus on Nostrand Avenue tonight in Brooklyn, 7 o'clock. Go check them out. It is actually on our way down to my neighborhood right now. They're reopening Century 21. Great store by the Freedom Tower. Uh, we bought clothes there before. Danielle bought me a beautiful sport jacket there, which I wore in Jesse Waters a couple of weeks ago. So that is uh, reopening this morning. Vernikoff is there for that. And then Inna and Peter King at the Knights of Columbus tonight. But that was Billy Joel, and he's the latest to leave town. That brings me to my next guest. And I love this guy. He's been coming on a lot lately, which makes me very happy. He uh, probably, him and Miranda, are the two best writers in the country, hands down, Columnist, New York Post, the very smart and glib. How about that one for you? Michael Goodwin. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning, Sid. Thank you. It's uh, good to uh, good to have you here. Hey, let's talk about uh, Billy Joel. He's the latest to leave. Now, he's in his 70s, and he ain't leaving because of tax money. He's made millions and millions of dollars. But you get the feeling that maybe the weather, the, the crime, uh, all those things had Billy Joel moving down to Florida like everybody else? Well, uh, no doubt uh, all of those contribute. Uh, I would probably throw in another one, too, which would be inheritance taxes. Um, as you note, he's getting older, and people in, in that age and, and with that kind of uh, wealth uh, generally consult uh, with lawyers and, and tax accountants about how to not give the government everything when they die. And New York State, I believe, um, Probably for someone in his income bracket, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it would be about 16% or something along those lines, whereas in Florida, it's zero. So let's say he's worth $100 million, round number, right? And he dies, and he has a $100 million estate. Well, New York State would get, you know, 16% of that. Um, in Florida, the state would take nothing. Uh, that's the kind of consideration that a lot of older people also make just in terms of quality of life, safety, uh, the weather even. Uh, but the inheritance tax is a, is a kind of X factor for people of a certain wealth and age. Of which um, neither. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, I know. New York Post, Michael Goodwin, uh, your latest column, of course, media play duck and cover up for Joe Biden. So the Durham report comes back yesterday, and, of course, MSNBC and CNN this morning. Uh, much to do about nothing. They've uncovered nothing. What a waste of time. But in the meantime, all those hoaxes with Donald Trump, the Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, the two impeachment hoaxes, that was okay, right? The whole thing with um, with Robert Mueller. But it is what it is. The Durham report came out and said that there was no monkey business between Trump and Russia, and it was a complete hoax set forth by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. So even Jake Tapper on CNN, who hates Trump, came out yesterday and said, you know what, this exonerates President Donald Trump. Your thoughts? Well, uh, that's correct. Um, and, and what struck me about the report, Sid, was the just matter-of-fact tone that uh, this investigation, he, he puts it in, in legal terms, but it's that there was no reason to open this investigation in the first place. And when you think of what happens after that, once Peter Strzok uh, opens this investigation on the instructions of Andrew McCabe, uh, two really what I consider dirty cops, uh, then it, everything falls like dominoes, including it ends up with Robert Mueller, the special counsel, uh, the mad dog, Andrew Weissman, who really ran uh, the Mueller probe and wanted to, I think, hang uh, Trump, not just indict him, but hang him, uh, was on MSNBC yesterday, still spouting this. Weissman was part of the cabal that went to the Manhattan district attorney and pushed uh, then Cy Vance and now um, Alvin Bragg to, to indict Trump on things. I mean, they were just looking to get Trump. That was it. They didn't care what it was about. It was Russia, Russia, Russia was, I think, in many ways, an excuse. They decided that Donald Trump needed to be prosecuted, and they were going to f- – now they're going to find a case. That's how it all started. It, and, and you see it. Letitia James is still doing it as New York State Attorney General. You see Alvin Bragg still doing it. And you see the feds. Yeah, still. They're still yep. trying to get them. Yep. I mean, it has never stopped. As we speak, these are two horrible people, Joe and Mika on MSNBC, have some dopey guest on, and it reads on the scroll, Durham Report, another dud. Well, you think so. We don't. Uh, and you're right, they're still out there for the Merrick Garlands. Even Chris Ray in charge of the FBI right now, he's no good. He's no good, Mike. No, no, I think he is, uh, look, he, he is. he's kind of the... the the seed of that whole group, the Comey group. I don't see much difference between Comey and uh, Ray. Ray is a little quieter and doesn't not quite so boastful, but uh, the impact is the same. I mean, you look what's happening now. Where's the Hunter Biden case? Five years, five years. And you, you're telling me that's normal, that that has nothing to do with his last name? I mean, we, we are expected to trust these people. And, you know, see, it breaks my heart to say this, but I don't trust them. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the Justice Department. I don't trust the IRS. These are now weaponized institutions that do the bidding of the Democratic Party. 
that's all they are. And so, you know, as I say, I hate to hear myself talk this way, but the facts have left me no option. These are not trustworthy individuals, and these are not trustworthy uh, institutions. Now, there no doubt are many good and honest people within them, but, you know, these big cases really reveal the heart and soul of these institutions. And when you are politicized that way, when you insist that your way is superior, that your party is superior, that your beliefs are the ones that that, that should dominate the public conversation, you've lost the plot. You're no longer enforcing the law. You're enforcing your own opinion. And that's what has become of Uh, these federal agencies. I mean, the CIA, the same thing. I mean, we give them enormous power and they have abused it and they have abused it against other Americans. It'd be one thing if they were locking up, you know, Chinese communists or something, but they're not. They're locking up Americans. They're prosecuting and persecuting and harassing Americans on the basis of politics. There's no way to spin that any with the facts we know. If you're a Democrat, there's one set of rules for you. And if you're a Republican or a dissenter of any kind, there's a separate, more stringent set of rules for you. And we will lock you up to shut you up. And this is why Michael Goodwin is great at his job. That was beautifully said and 1,000 percent accurate. Michael Goodwin New York Post, uh, you and me, both of us, have kind of gone out of our way to find the good in Mayor Eric Adams. Me so much that I befriended him. We go for dinners, we go for lunches, we do text, text each other quite a bit yesterday. But I got to tell you, seeing these illegals, I'm not using the word migrants anymore, seeing these illegals housed up in gymnasiums with little kids in Brooklyn and more and more gymnasiums are about to be used, finding out that neighborhoods like mine, Beautiful Republican neighborhoods are now basically being targeted for these illegals. I'm starting to like the mayor less and less. I know it's not all his fault, but you know what? It would go a long way if he stopped saying federal government and said, quote, Joe Biden is epping our country and our city and our state. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think I think the mayor made a fundamental mistake. I said so when he first invited them here. Now, it's been almost a year uh, last July, I believe it was, he said that there were 2,800 uh, of, of these migrants, illegal immigrants, uh, in city shelters. And that was the first time anybody heard that there, they were in the city to that number. And uh, he said it was putting a strain on the system. So that's July. Fast forward to June. So we're really just about a year. And what are we up to? 60,000, 70,000? Who knows? Wow. And, and the city just can't handle it. And he, his mistake was to accept them. He not only accepted them, he went to the mayor of El Paso and said, send me, send me more. He did that. He can deny it. But the mayor of El Paso has been very clear that Adams, while Adams was attacking Governor Abbott of Texas, he was wooing the Democratic mayor of El Paso to send more migrants. And when they got here, it wasn't like he just provided these people with shelter and food, which would have been good enough. It was like royalty was coming to town. It was ridiculous. Well, you see it now, right? They're, they're, 
in these motels in uh, Orange and Rockland counties. They're kicking vet, uh, homeless veterans out. They're oh. kicking families out. They're, they're booting wedding parties that made these reservations a year ago. They're cutting them all out. So it's, it's as though the, the, you know, the people who came to this country illegally now are the most important people in the country. I mean, when, you know, and Adams, I think, I think he just misplayed this. I think he didn't look down the road. I mean, you, you know, in, in federal court of Supreme Court, uh, when there's an argument about the government's powers, there's always a question that comes up, and it's usually directed at the government lawyers. What's the limiting principle? In other words, if you can do this, tell me what you can't do. Tell me where, where you say the limit of your powers is reached. And if the government can't answer that question, the court usually says, well, then you can't do this because what you're saying is you have unlimited power. Well, that's sort of what's happened here. If Eric Adams wanted to in, you know, invite 5,000, let's say, did he then say to anybody, that's it? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, how do we stop it at that number? Yeah. Yeah. But he just opened the door, and they're going to keep coming. I know. They're going to yeah. keep coming. There's no limit in sight. No. Nope. Two minutes to go. This has been a great conversation. As far as Sid Rosenberg is concerned, Daniel Penny's a hero. I'm not going to use any other word. I know it bothers people. Good. I'm sorry the kid died, Jordan Neely, and I'm really sorry his mother was murdered when he was 14 years old. But he really spent the last 10 years of his life as a menace, punching innocent people across the face, 40 arrests, scaring people every day on the subway. So in my opinion, what Daniel Penny did was great. More on New Yorkers should do it. And he's a hero. What about Michael Goodwin? Look, um, I, I'm not ready to say hero, but I, I, think, I think he is a Samaritan in, in the truest sense of the word. I mean, I think he came to the aid of others. Uh, I don't know if the difference between a hero and a Samaritan. Well, let me ask I'm, you this. I'm, let me ask you this. Well, well, if Jordan Neely didn't die, you'd use the word hero, but you're a decent person. You're a good man. Somebody died, so you feel guilty using the word hero. I understand that, but I'm separating the two in that in that he didn't mean to kill the kid. That's I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I'm looking here at a Monday uh, headline in the New York Times. Homeless man on city's radar years before death on subway. And I think that is a crucial thing here. The city knew about him. He was one of their top 50 neediest people, but they didn't do anything about him, right? And so that's what, that to me is the, is the issue here in this case, is that the city knew and it did nothing. And then here you have two people on the same subway car, uh, one of them being uh, the hero, the hero, the Samaritan here, who's going to protect the other people from this man the city knows about and did nothing about. I mean, we're on our own. I think that's the message that this case shows, that the city is not there to help. The city will drop the ball. It cannot be counted on. It cannot be trusted. You've got it. You're on your own. That's the message that that Penny, I think, represents. And if if you're going to prosecute the guy who you know shoots Liberty Valance, as the old movie, right? <laughs> right. Who's going to protect the public? Yep. And that, to me, is the issue here. And that's why I think he should not be prosecuted. Not because. I mean, it, it is tragic, and that is the difficult hurdle here legally, is that the man died. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I don't think there was an intent uh, to kill him. 
there's no evidence of that. And But Alvin Bragg, of course, we know whose side he's on. Well, congratulations, Michael. Your columns in the New York Post all the time, so it's not a big deal for your name to be in the Post. But if you saw the ad yesterday for Sid and Friends in the Morning on page 22, with 18 of my most uh, valued friends and guests on this program, your picture was in there. That's uh, how much you mean to me in the show at this point. So thank you for coming on. Another great appearance. We'll do it again very soon. Always a pleasure, Sid. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Michael Goodwin, New York Post. Terrific, terrific guest and a great writer.